Okay, today we are talking about gray matter, a word to the wise, a town without pity, and you bet your life. These four episodes on this episode of the M City Podcast. And I'm Susan. Hello, I'm Amelia. And I'm Chris. And let's get started with Gray Matter. It was written by Tom Fontana, directed by Brian Cox, and the theme is the human brain. As Corns implements his new course of action, the dynamics of M City start to change. Beecher falls deeper into depression as he wonders about the fate of his children. Mobe, still proving himself to Adebisi, commits a hideous crime. Stanislavski attempts to have O'Reilly whacked, but the plan backfires. Mukata confronts Schillinger about Beecher's kids. Okay, this episode starts with a new inmate, Bruno Gergen. And as he's walking in, he recognizes somebody. Uh, he recognizes uh, Desmond Mobey. Uh, they used to work together. Gergen is a former cop. And he murdered somebody. But then he's also exchanging his ev- his some evidence of another crime to, um, to get a lighter sentence. But anyway, he's... Uh, what uh was it mobe who called him a redneck asshole or somebody called him a redneck asshole so mobe sets him up as the person who he has to kill that's his his third task for atabisi to prove his, that he can be part of the gang and so uh, he arranges to to meet gergen and hill in the dress factory in the elevator shaft and pushes Gergen down the elevator shaft, makes it look like an accident, far from M-City. First he tries to convince uh, Hill to help him. Yeah. And Hill wants no part of it. Yeah, so he doesn't tell him what's going on. And then um, his partner comes to visit, and she knows that he's using drugs. And next we have the... uh, the story about the warden's brother is going public, and so he takes the um, opportunity at the um, press conference to also announce the story of his daughter's rape. Is that the one that his wife wasn't wanting that to come out? I Well, I can't imagine anybody would want that to come out, but right, she didn't know that he was going to do that. Right, right. And then... Um, McManus uh, in Unit B, he gets a call from Diane, and he gets off the phone quickly. He doesn't want to talk to her. <laughs> so, um, and then he has a fight with Sean Murphy, and he looks longingly at his old office in M City. <laughs> uh, next, Corns meets with Kareem Saeed, and uh, says Saeed is too self righteous. And I have another another note. It's like I could I could listen to this this scene over and over. I I like both of their voices. <laughs> yeah, just put it on a loop. I'll just listen to that and it'll lull me to sleep. <laughs> you like that better than uh, than Kevin Sorbo's voice? Hmm. I don't know. 
line, line up all three of them. We'll, we'll have all three of them have a conversation. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> okay. Um, then there, there's another new inmate. <laughs> um, Kevin Ketchum, a.k.a. Supreme Allah. And he is Poet's new cellmate. And then uh, Korn scraps the committee. Uh, he appoints Adebisi, Pancamo, and Hernandez as trustees. And then he transfers the Aryans and the bikers out of M-City. And Arif is upset that he wasn't chosen as a trustee. He goes to see Quorns and is uh, sent away. And then um, Murphy's upset that Quorns didn't tell him about the... Uh, this new system before he announced it to the prisoners. And then um, he gets, he decides that he wants to be transferred out of M-City. It's not working out for him either. We go to Unit B. Um, we see up there's a prisoner who was raped and is taken to the hospital. Um, Gloria has to examine him. She's a little hesitant at first, but she, she does it. Then, um, on death row, Miles is painting a portrait of himself on the wall. <laughs> and we see that Lepresti is still working there. He convinced the warden that Shirley was lying. <laughs> Dael <laughs> breaks his hand. <laughs> hmm? Sorry. <laughs> Like, okay, nobody did any DNA tests on the baby, nothing that we could possibly use as concrete evidence. Oh, wait, but the baby's not his. Sorry. No. No, no. It was, uh, but still, I mean, that was another thing. It's like, well, how did that, uh, <laughs> how did that happen, too? So, and then, um, Dial, he hit it, he hit the wall. <laughs> he was, <laughs> wanted to punch Miles in the next cell and punch the wall uh, and broke his hand and while he was in the infirmary he told uh, Gloria that Nate needed some medical help and wasn't wasn't getting what he needed over there in death row and then we have another new inmate show up at, in Oz uh, Patrick Keenan and he's the one who raped Dr. Nathan and it seems it was random after all. He says he was in the mood and he chose Dr. Nathan. So uh, I guess Ryan didn't set it up. Which leaves the question of what what has Ryan been doing? Yeah. <laughs> what did he set up? <laughs> I will admit there was a moment there, though, when they met that I was... I was actually questioning whether or not they were going through a whole, let's pretend like we don't know each other. Mm -hmm. Let me pretend I'm getting information out of you. Yeah. Um, so I was still kind of not sure about it all, but clearly <laughs> Ryan didn't know. Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> then, uh, Ryan is away from M-City for some reason, and the new inmates there, they harass Cyril. He gets 
an injection of vitamin H, otherwise known as Haldol, a sedative. Then Quarns talks to, to Ryan and calls Stanislavski into his office. Um, he says Stanislavski is the sub suspect in Ralph Galino's murder. And uh, Stanislavski talks to Hoyt and tells him about the phone. There was another big fight in the gym. <laughs> it's just a, a litany of names. <laughs> I know. There are too many. Yes. To <laughs> Stanislavski, to Ryan, to... <laughs> right. They, he did it. No, he did it. No, it was that guy over there. <laughs> and then um, Ryan gets the phone and hides it. And Stanislavski gets put in protective custody. Because um, really there's nothing that they can do uh, until until they find the phone. Nothing that Corns uh, can do. All I can think of is all the problems I have keeping a cell phone charged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is able to magically hide and charge a cell phone. Yeah. I, I, yeah. And they never really gave you, like, a revelation of where this magical place was. It just gets called, and you find out that Ryan's a dumbass and taped it under a chair. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, we have Rebidow. He's back. He's a changed man, but um, but he's still not talking to Busmelis. Uh, he he stands up for Beecher when the guards want him to leave his cell for the morning count, and another inmate tries to bully Rebidow in the cafeteria, and he shoves pie in the guy's face. Then. Um, Rebidow talks to Sister Pete, says he feels alive now after killing Hernandez. Then he goes to Ryan and Cyril to learn how to box. And Cyril says he'll teach him, but Ryan thinks it's a waste of time and won't do it. And then uh, Rebidow asks Morales if he could kill someone else. I wasn't too pleased with this chain of events. No? <laughs> From what we know of this character, it, it just struck me as, I don't know, a weird perversion mm -hmm. of the guy who spoke to God. I mean, I like the character, and they just seem to be pissing on him just for the fun of it. Make him dirty. Make him more uh, in line with the crazies in, in Gen Pop. There, yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> and then back to, uh, back to Beecher. He's, of course, you know, he's not eating or sleeping. He's just sitting in a cell and distraught over the kidnapping. Um, Keller talks to Father Ray about Beecher. Uh, Sister Pete is staying away because she says she's not strong enough. Then Robson reports back to Schillinger that Beecher has just sat in a cell and cried for two days. Uh, Vern asks, Hank to drop off the next package, which is Beecher's son's body. Then when he's he's going to the funeral, he Beecher couldn't cry until he got to the funeral home and saw his son's coffin. Then we have uh, Mukata talks to Schillinger, who of course denies his involvement in the in everything. <laughs> The kidnapping was surely 
he know, he knows that Beecher found Hank, and he he thinks it was you know just to mess with him. But he he does get through to him a little, and and talks him out of killing the daughter Holly also, because later he he calls Hank, and tells him to drop off the other package at the grandparents' house alive. The other thing with the kidnapping is the that other inmate that Beecher asked for information before. He he comes to him, and tries to get him to think that Keller was the one who was responsible for the um, for the kidnapping. But really, it won't be. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, really, he was hired by Schillinger to deliver the information. This is where the flip-floppy nature of Christopher Keller bites him in the ass somewhat. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll we'll see as things progress that this once again gets the Beecher versus Keller thing going, which I'm getting a little tired of. Yeah. Pick sides and just like, we're going to do this thing or no? Oh, and then... Uh, that night, Beecher tries to kill Keller. Yeah. Yeah, that happened. So how many times has he tried to kill him? Quite a few. Oh, gosh. I mean, anybody else having this kind of a relationship, you think the first time you try to kill me, I'm out of the relationship. No. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was like the broken arm, the broken leg, the other broken arm, the broken leg, I'm out of the relationship. No. No, Keller just broke his arm. Schillinger broke his legs. <laughs> this is like a really sick and twisted high school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jeez. There's codependency and then there's stupidity. <laughs> oh. <laughs> when are these crazy kids just going to iron out their differences and get back together? Because that'll last. Yeah. How many weeks do you give it? Two before one of them is trying to kill the. Yeah. Mm -hmm. On the say so of some third party guy we haven't seen (laughs) until the season. Right? So, yeah, but apparently his his daughter's teeth, uh, he. Well, that was his story he went to Beecher with, and the story he went to Schillinger with, where his his daughter needed lots of dental work. So I guess they must be in great condition now, because he got money from both of them. <laughs> Maybe that's code. Sort of like if you want to go for a cup of coffee from Tim McManus. There you are. That's it. Okay, and then moving on to a word with the wise. A word, a word to the wise. <laughs> a word to the wise, written by Tom Fontana, directed by Keith Samples, and the theme is figures of speech. In an effort to reduce violence, white inmates are transferred out of M City. Mobe gets in good with Adebisi's crew, but pays a price. Officer Murphy takes a new assignment in Unit B. Officer Howell is transferred to M-City to counter the increasing lack of diversity. Beecher finds out who his 
responsible for his children's kidnapping. Well, Corns continues transferring more white inmates out of M-City. Adebisi's happy, and Saeed uh, confronts Corns about Adebisi's behavior because he's getting, uh, you know, he's wearing more of those sideways hats and, uh, you know, he's having parties in his cell and, you know, just things that probably shouldn't be happening in prison. (laughs) So... But Quarns basically tells Saeed to keep his mouth shut. And then um, more of Adebisi's friends are being transferred into M-City. So, hey, he's having a great time. Uh, Then Saeed goes to Arif and tells him that now is the time to lead. Because, you know, maybe uh, Quarns will listen to him. But uh, when Arif does go talk to Quarns... He sees one of his uh, one of his men talking to Supreme Allah and is upset because I guess they have different views, and Arif doesn't want uh, his men to get contaminated. So then, Arif thinks he's being clever, goes to Adabisi and suggests that he kill Supreme Allah. And of course, Adebisi knows what's going on. Says, uh, yeah, do it yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Then, uh, Tim comes in, uh, comes into work and sees Murphy at the front gate. And, you know, Murphy explains the situations that he had to transfer out. And Tim apologizes for his behavior the other day when they were, when they had a fight and invites Murphy to dinner. Then, Horns transfers other COs out and requests requests others in, and he's basically kind of making it an all-black unit. But Claire Howell got transferred into M-City. Yeah, I think he said, yeah, to uh, counter the increasing lack of diversity. Alvarez is still missing. Then we go to uh, back to death row, and Ginsburg is suffering so much that he's asking to be executed early. But instead, uh, he died in his sleep on the day of the execution. You skipped all over, but you skipped uh, Sister Marie's nail painting session. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I remember it. It was it was nice. <laughs> so tell us about the nail painting session. <laughs> That's the only thing I remember from this episode. Come on! <laughs> oh, gosh. No, they were nicely done. <laughs> I actually, I liked that she decided that she was going to go ahead and paint his nails after finding him, finding that he had passed in his sleep. Mm-hmm. Although, kind of creepy, don't know that I could do it, but, you know. I wouldn't knew, mind creep, I'd mind the smell. It was a nice gesture. Most people's bowels relax when they die. Yeah. Thanks for that, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) So the man's sitting in a river of shit and she's painting nails. Wrong answer. (laughs) (sighs) On on this execution day, there are other inmates, of course, you know, like, like before, they're all talking about dying. And... 
Pencamo, he says, he's not afraid of death, but he is afraid of Officer Howell. Can you blame him? <laughs> Everybody hates her. <laughs> she's awful. Like, she's, she's the diversity angle. <laughs> yeah, well. She just seems like a mean person. Yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> Who, it turns out, is hanging out with your boy, Boom! Gross. I think I sent Susan a message after I saw that episode. <laughs> and said, I can't look at him the same way okay. anymore. Oh, yeah. Because, okay, yeah. This yeah, this episode ends with, with him, his full frontal scene. And, uh, and then in the next episode, yeah, <laughs> we find out. A horrible, horrible secret about Ryan O'Reilly. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, we'll finish this one real quick. Okay, Mobe finds he has run out of drugs. Uh, a new shipment is coming in, and he's required to bring in five new babies, which are new drug users. Honestly, once this guy killed somebody, the storyline became junk. <laughs> I mean, yes, he's under the influence. But, like, didn't he... Uh, he? He was under the influence when he killed that guy, right? Probably. He was using at that point, but he hadn't gotten to the... He hadn't gotten too bad. But, like, how could he have possibly thought he could get away with murdering someone in jail and then bust somebody? In jail. Mm -hmm. Especially with a witness. He had mm -hmm. to there as a witness. So at some point he was going to like, ta-da, I'm a super cop. I busted this drug ring. And yeah. Hill was going to say shit? Is that what he was thinking? Or was he going to kill Hill as well? I'm trying to figure out how everybody's looking at him like he's in his right mind when clearly he's on something. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's maybe how it went uh, in his brain then, because he's on, he's you know, he's on something, <laughs> so he's not thinking rationally. Hmm. I don't know. I, I it's like they he got crazier after the murder than he was at the time of the murder, so it made the murder just seem stupid to me. Hmm. Like if he was bugging out when he did that. That'd be one thing. But he seemed like he was rationally thinking, yeah, I, I, I need to, I've got this problem, this guy who could possibly reveal my uh, identity. I've got the solution. I need to kill somebody. <laughs> mm -hmm. let, me, let me put these two together and, and make something that makes no goddamn sense. <laughs> so, uh, are there any comments... <laughs> that we're going to make that a positive about the series. <laughs> because like right, right now, it's like, as you recount it, it's like, all I can think of are things that pissed me off. <laughs> <laughs> the show when I was watching it. <laughs> but clearly, all these things are the only thing that remained in my head. Move so away I, from the episode very quickly, Susan. Let's move away. 
That's not right. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, the, the next day he does he does go see Sister Pete. He admits he's an addict and he needs help. Did that do anything? I don't know. Or you still? He still left. It was like, okay, I'm still in danger. I'm gonna play this out in prison where there's no possibility of making it work. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think at, at that point they probably should have just taken him out of the, put him on a different assignment. At that point, but then yeah, he still did. He did still kill somebody. So. Oh, and then we have this. Um, remember the other thing we talked about in this episode, Amelia? Uh, not the sure. Gratuitous Chris Keller peeing in a bucket uh, shot. Yes. <laughs> Do you remember that now? Yeah. So. That was pretty gratuitous. Yeah. I'm like I, I didn't need to see that. <laughs> But okay. Here's a look at Keller's junk. What are you talking about? You're always clamoring to see that. Yeah, but um, I guess not in use. Um, <laughs> not in use that way. Not in use that way. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's weird. <laughs> Um, Saeed talks to Beecher, talks him out of killing Keller. Then Mikada tells Beecher his daughter Holly was released unharmed and Hank Schillinger was arrested for kidnapping and murder. And now the FBI is talking to Vern. Because, uh, yeah, now they know, oh yeah, maybe he did have something to do with it because it was his son who uh, was arrested for it. And boy, does Beecher have egg on face. Mm-hmm. Tries to apologize, but of course, you know, Beecher or Keller won't accept. And uh, Beecher gets a new a new roommate, Mondo Brown. And Keller Keller makes it clear to Brown that he's done with Beecher. He can use him anyway. Yeah. Then um, Keller burns his hand with hot water in the shower. He confesses to. Father Makata, that yes, he did commit those murders that the FBI wants him for, the uh, murders of the homosexual men. Then that night, he and he and Beecher are watching each other. And so then Beecher decides, yeah, okay, I'll have sex with the with Mondo Brown. What a sweet story. I know, I know, I love Grand. <laughs> I used to think that the notebook was really romantic, but I've been proven wrong. <laughs> this is this has so much more on the notebook, huh? It does. <laughs> uh, then Morales and Rebidow talk again. Uh, Morales says anything else. I, you know, he just can't can't do that. Can't grant him the, you know, wants to Rebidow wants to kill someone else, but. Morales can't do that right now. Yeah, Rebidow has dreams of killing lots of people in Oz with a machine gun. <laughs> so then that night he apologizes to Bus Malice. He's really nice to him, joins him for dinner. 
another another different thing that he's doing he's working out now in his cell uh and then he tries to kill busmalis that night and then he gets his nude scene when he's tossed into the hole that's the one you've been waiting for oh yeah man <laughs> <laughs> peen it was it was just the butt we didn't we didn't get to see <laughs> It was not full frontal, thank goodness. <laughs> then we have O'Reilly using the cell phone, working on whatever he's working on. It better be something good. This better pay off. Yeah. It's like, uh, when are we going to find out? <laughs> uh, and... and cake! <laughs> what? It's a cake with a file in it. There you go. <laughs> Uh, Stanislavski's still in protective custody, but he wants to go back to M-City. So he tells Corns all about the cell phone and says that O'Reilly has it. Corns searches for the phone, can't find it. But then um, Stanislavski's girlfriend comes to visit, and he gives her the phone number and tells her to call exactly at 5 o'clock when they're doing the count. And that's when they find the phone. Because, I, yeah, I don't know why he would leave it on and leave it taped under the chair. Uh, yeah. And on ring. Yeah. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> it vibrate would have been stupid. Mm-hmm. It's a magic cell phone that doesn't need to be charged, so you can leave it on all day. It's just good. My thinking was, though, why do it at... That, is he... It's one of those things you got to wonder, you know, is he going to have it on him or is he hiding it somewhere? Because wouldn't it be better if you did that when he's got it on him? Because then he would get nabbed for that. But then doing it the way that they did it, he's hidden it somewhere. So you don't know who it belongs to. Yeah, but if it's at a private place, he could have just shut it off. And then we wouldn't have a show. (laughs) Well, we wouldn't have a cell phone storyline. <laughs> Which we can like, all agree is kind of ridiculous, just as Chris said. Yeah. It's the magic cell phone. Have? Like, who's still paying the bills? The dead guy? Oh, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, it, you, you would think it would only work for like a couple of weeks after the... After it changed hands. Well, Unless it's a way to pay the bill through the phone with a credit card. That you don't have in jail. <laughs> right. Or that you stole from somebody. <laughs> in jail? Who has a credit card in jail? I don't know. Maybe he stole it off that. Uh, well, you know, he's got his friend Claire. <laughs> <laughs> you could have a number memorized. Well, in, in other Ryan O'Reilly news, he has uh, Cyril taken to the hospital. Because Cyril uh, OD'd on the Haldol, and it's basically unconscious. I feel bad for Cyril. He's like a pawn in everybody's game. I oh, feel yeah. bad for him. Poor guy. And that's also when Ryan talks to Keenan about Dr. Nathan's rape. He gets the, the details from him, and then he bashes him over the head with a dumbbell. And... Arif witnessed the uh, the murder, and then Ryan sent Gloria a note 
saying that uh, he did it for her and sent her the uh, the shamrock that Keenan was wearing. I guess they don't make a Hallmark card for that, do they? <laughs> I killed him for you. <laughs> Just like I killed your husband. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and there's actually nothing to keep her from having this thought process. Ryan had this guy rape me and then he killed him. There's just that. Yeah. There's nothing here to, you know, like, this doesn't exonerate him from masterminding the rape in her mind. It doesn't right. harm as viewers of the show. Mm-hmm. Like, that shouldn't get him off the hook with her. Yeah, because she wasn't there to hear Keenan's confession. And understand that Ryan did had nothing. Even if he were, even if she were to observe it, she might have observed it like Amelia did, and just assume this is a show. Mm-hmm. And that's you know when 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 Keenan is brought in, and when she and when Gloria gets the shamrock, then she realizes that she came back to work too soon and needs to take a little bit more time off. And there was one deleted scene. Busmala's brother comes to visit and tells him that Miss Sally wants to come and see uh, see him in in prison. Visit there, and also, if he should escape again, he needs to go visit their mom because she was upset that he didn't come see her. <laughs> that sounds like funny. It was. It was good. So I want to hear about pants. Pants? Pants. Trousers. What about trousers? High trousers. Wow. <laughs> you have to listen to the Ernie Hudson interview. <laughs> we could have some crossplay here between the two podcasts. <laughs> Go ahead, plug your other podcast now. Okay. Yeah. If I wanted to hear more about pants, <laughs> more about pants. Um, the the uh, Geek Girl Soup uh, interview with Ernie Hudson, and he he answers the question about the pants, <laughs> and many more. He even answered answered a Ghostbuster question, and so. And he That's the clumsiest segue in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> so the next episode is a town without pity. Smart ass. <laughs> I was gonna, you know, I was gonna follow that up with. I didn't mean that to sound as bitchy as I think that it just sounded. <laughs> well. Chris doesn't know about your your evil streak. I, I, I'm learning fast. <laughs> she's she's not just sweet Amelia. <laughs> I am. I'm just sweet Amelia with uh, with with oh, a a with killer. <laughs> I am sweet Amelia with a very poorly working filter. <laughs> filter. For my mouth. That's a filter. <laughs> yeah. 
Marlboro's baby, raw and unfiltered. <laughs> That's your new nickname. <laughs> I only give you shit if I like you. If I didn't like you, I wouldn't talk to you. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. So nobody likes me today. Is that the problem with the podcast? Oh. <laughs> So, Chris, do you want to tell us about A Town Without Pity? Written by Tom Fontana. Directed by J. Miller Tobin. Yes, that J. Miller Tobin. (laughs) Really? Really. Are you sure? I'm pretty positive. It's not the other J. Miller Tobin? Nope. This guy, he's he's a a one-off. Um, the theme, prison economics. But going back to a couple of episodes before, was the Brian Cox actually that Brian Cox? I don't know. The actor? See, I kind of wondered that too, but I didn't bring it up. The original Hannibal from Man uh, from Manhunter? Hmm. Susan? No, bringer um, of knowledge? Queen um, of all that is Oz? <laughs> 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 Searching IMDb. <laughs> Everybody's ganging up on Susan today. <sighs> hey, this is her idea. <laughs> I'm just trying. It, it is the same guy. What? Wait, kinda... I, I think it's the same guy. Was he in Hannibal? I'm not Hannibal. Was he in? Um, did he play Hannibal? Yeah. In... Yeah. Same guy. Yeah, I'm looking at IMDb right now. Um, X-Men 2. Cool. All right. But he didn't direct this. He directed that. He directed episode 29, Grey Matter. Yeah. Those who are following along. And that's We're it. We're talking is... about A Town Without Pity, directed by the J. Miller Tobin. Riley begins a surprise affair. Fucker. <laughs> <laughs> piece of shit gross <laughs> disgusting well you know ryan is willing to do anything to get ahead <laughs> <laughs> or some head <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> zabitz asks schillinger uh for protection from keller beecher looks to get even with his children's abductor out of bc wields his power by going solo in the drug game. Saeed pledges his allegiance to Adabisi, but plots with McManus to stop Quern's reign of terror. (laughs) Um, Hughes makes an attempt on Devlin's life. Awesome. This surprising affair (laughs) is revealed at the beginning when, uh, Ryan got in a fight with Vern in the cafeteria. And then Officer Howell takes him away to the restroom. Gross. Yeah. And gives him a blowjob. <laughs> in such a sterile environment. Yeah. <laughs> and there was, um, well, there's a commentary in the next episode, but it applies to this one, too. That was a real bathroom on the set. Gross. <laughs> And that was a real blowjob. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> little brown action for you folks. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, 
Mind you, I, it's just her that I find gross. God. It's her, her and the setting that I find gross. <laughs> the rest of it I'm completely fine with. But her, just gross. Cause, yeah, how clean can that bathroom be? <laughs> I'm sure, you know, for the, for the actors it was clean. But, you know. Put it somewhere a, else. like a prison bathroom. In an office somewhere and make it a different person. I'd be completely fine with that scene. <laughs> Wouldn't you rather have Tim McManus doing it? <laughs> I would be completely fine with that scene. <laughs> but with her in it, it's gross. With her anywhere near it, yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. So moving on. Back in protective custody. Stanislavski, he saw the rabbi, feels like he has his life in order. And he's ready to go back to M-City. However, Ryan uses his relationship with Claire to manipulate her. Gross. Yeah. Into getting information on Stanislavski. And uh, she, uh, well, before Stanislavski comes back to M-City, he uh, gets to soak in a tub. And Ryan had had Claire... Give him a rubber ducky, and then drop a hair dryer into the bathtub. That was conveniently nearby. Uh-huh. And that was more like one of those sports jacuzzis, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Not, Not really a bathtub. But <laughs> yeah. It's like I get a the the ivory with a feet <laughs> going on. I'm like, what? <laughs> but he was he was luxuriating in it like it was <laughs> one of those. But yeah. <laughs> oh, and, and she gave him a hand job too. <laughs> so. Gross. Yeah. Seems like a pretty one sided um, relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, and, until their next scene. <laughs> so we got not one sexy, not two sexies, but three sexies yeah. we do not approve of. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, that, only because they're with her. The show mm-hmm. are, you know, stamped with grade A stamp of approval, <laughs> but <laughs> for some reason it's the heterosexual relationships we take issue with. All the men fucking other men were fine. That's, That's okay. That's to be expected. Right. <laughs> it's just her for me. <laughs> that bitch. Fuck that. <laughs> you crossed the line, sir. <laughs> You have no uh, I just think she's awful. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then she's she must be a wonderful actress then. Yeah. <laughs> deserves no pleasures in life. Is that what you're saying, Amelia? <laughs> <laughs> you do not deserve human contact, lady. <laughs> At least not for many of the people that Amelia knows. <laughs> or or for Amelia desires. Yes. <laughs> Oh my god! And right, she's been with both Tim McManus and Ryan O'Reilly. She's making the fucking roundup, dude. You're way behind. <laughs> Gross. Rounding the pieces and heading for home. Mm-hmm. Chris McManus or Chris uh, 
Keller? Keller, yes. Yeah. God. <laughs> that would be awful. <laughs> anyway, okay. Uh, next, uh, we see we see uh, Vern delivering the mail and Leroy delivering lunch uh, to death row. And they both treat uh, Miles and Moses very differently. Thought that was an interesting scene. Then um, Moses meets with his lawyer, finds out his appeal was denied. And when he goes back, Miles taunts him with a long list of racial epithets. Because he's such a joy to, uh, to be around. And next, uh, Keller threatens Zabbitz, uh, wants to watch him sweat before he dies. Uh, Schillinger gives the order for his death also as- after Zabbitz comes to ask for protection. Then uh, both Keller and Robson go to kill Zabbitz. He dies of a heart attack. <laughs> and a wonderful bit of comic timing as the two potential hitmen look at each other, shrug, and walk off the other way. That's right. (laughs) Because they were fighting over who was going to kill him. (laughs) So, Hank Schillinger went free because of a technicality. That bastard! (laughs) Beecher was very, very angry. He didn't want to let Sister Pete see his anger. She wouldn't like him when he's angry. (laughs) Because he turns green. And it's scary. It is scary. <laughs> she she says, "Go ahead, I can take it." She she probably thinking that she probably deserves it too for being away for for so long. So little did she know the fire hose of abuse was about to be set forth on her face. Exactly. <laughs> Full facial abuse on. <laughs> so after after everybody recovers, <laughs> um, Hank comes to see Vern and asks for more cash. Is that a surprise to anybody? Come on. Vern. Then uh, Vern comes to deliver the mail to Sister Pete, and uh, Beecher is there. And hey, Beecher attacks him. Surprise? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Whose bright idea was it to send him there? <laughs> then um, Beecher sees Pencamo when he gets back to M City. Says he wants Hank dead, and says that he will kill Vern. But then Beecher's daughter comes to visit, and also Saeed talk, tries to talk to Beecher about uh, talking about of killing Hank uh, when he saw. Beecher meeting with Pankamo, he knew what was up. Actually, Beecher changes his mind after he sees Holly, his daughter. But Pankamo says it's already done, and the body will never be found. Because the mob's good like that. They are. They're a very efficient bunch. Then Rebidow comes back to M-City. Corns, warns... <laughs> Corns warns him <laughs> to stop the violence. <laughs> yeah, try saying that three times fast. Corns warns. <laughs> 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 I still can't say it. Um, 
So anyway, but he has a headache when he comes back and it turns out the headache is really a brain tumor and he has to go to Benchley Memorial for surgery. And while he's gone, Busmalis is working on another escape hole. Then uh, more suspicion of uh, Adebisi and the guys are suspicious of Mobay and they want to watch him sell drugs to somebody. And of course, Mobay knows he can't do that. And so uh, they, Mobay and Glenn bring in a police officer, another undercover cop, for him to sell to. Then Hill is interrogated by the homicide detective, and she suspects he's hiding something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> They're, um, you know, still investigating Gergen's death. Then Mobe tries to calm Hill, Hill down, saying there's no way they'll figure it out. Then Arif is threatened by uh, Supremes and Adebisi's guys, and then talks to Saeed about leading the group again. Gay prisoners are transferred out. And then Keller, O'Reilly, and Pankamo get a little nervous. Then Adebisi has another big party. It's got music, alcohol, sex, and a video camera. And uh, Morales and Pankamo talk to Adebisi, who has decided to uh, cut them out of the business. He's going to go it alone. And right after he tells them that, Morales and Pankamo get transferred to Unit B. And right. uh-huh. So this is basically the pentultimate. I've gotten what I've set out to do. This has been Adebisi's plan since the time he got out of the right? To, to take over the, yeah, take over all the, the drug trade. Which is weird because, like, in order to accomplish his goal, the character seems to have reverted back to the day one version of the character. Gone is the Adebisi who has... Spirit quest visions of a sensei <laughs> and is doing things somewhat out of like this mystical bent and replaced as the sex loving, drug loving, crooked hat wearing out of BC of old. What happened to the guy that, and this is a problem that I have with a lot of the show. <laughs> Mm-hmm. We seem to lose all the development that was built into the character after a while because it's just too hard to maintain all the new things that came up. Like Beecher. I, I miss Beecher with the scissor hands. <laughs> scissor hands. <laughs> and uh, the Beecher we have now is more like a, a watered-down, weaker version of the original Beecher. Or Beecher. Wait a minute, that's... I'm up no. Totally different show. Beecher. <laughs> me, 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 me. <laughs> so, just an observation I wanted to interject. Interjection for excitement and emotion. Halloween. Halloween. Well, I believe that um, Scissorhands Beecher could, could do, you know, that could just end that that whole Schillinger Beecher revenge cycle. Because he's too good? Well, no, I mean he could he could kill Schillinger. Yeah, that would be a bold move. Yeah. That, 
in they need to move on. It it Amelia mentioned something during the podcast that will never be heard because we have <laughs> difficulties. <laughs> uh, she mentioned the fact that this is sort of getting to be like nine oh two one oh. You wanna uh repeat a little of that for us, Amelia? The <laughs> The 90210 of Oz. Um, I, I feel like Oz is becoming a little like watching Beverly Hills 90210, the original series, which I was a fan of. Just because you've got the... With 90210, you had the everyone in high school, and you had the couples, and you had Dylan and Brenda for years, and then they broke up. We went through the whole relationship, them getting together and then breaking up. And then Dylan gets together with Kelly, and we have to go through all this all again with Dylan <laughs> and that whole relationship. And then Dylan and Kelly break up, and then Kelly starts dating Brandon, so then we have to go through that relationship again. And it's just this constant cycle of having to see these characters go through the same things over and over again. And Oz is starting to feel like that because these characters are, it's a vicious cycle. Again, I have to use that, that term because you're just, we're watching the characters go through these things over and over again. Excellent, Amelia. That was <laughs> what she said, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, okay. I've lost my place now. Uh, we just got done with the party. We got done with the party in Adabisi's clubhouse of joy. Where they're taping, yes. sexing, and they're drugging. And two new lieutenants have come into play. We haven't actually gotten to that part, but like the old lieutenants have just been ousted from Mars. Yeah. Okay. And there's the new lieutenant. Um, then Said, uh, Said and Ada BC talk. Um, you didn't say who the new lieutenant is. Oh, they were <laughs> Supreme Allah and poet. Thank you. <laughs> of course, who else could it be? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> they're the seconds in, in business, so. Now there are seconds as trustees. Look at Poet, just by surviving, by getting out, <laughs> coming back, not getting killed, but getting maimed. <laughs> he just managed to rise to number two. Yeah, because it was, it was Adebisi who poured the soup. Right. Oh. Adebisi maimed him, but didn't kill him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so... Then, uh, yes, Adabisi and Saeed are talking. Adabisi's happy to be in control again. Uh, and Saeed says he's the only one who says the truth to Adabisi. And he does. Uh, Schillinger talks to McManus about the decline of M-City. In a staff meeting, McManus complains about M-City. Quern says, well, hey, there's been no violence, so it's fine. McManus talks to Saeed about what's happening because no one else will listen. 
Uh, and then Saeed goes to Adebisi and says, yes, I'll join you and I'll serve you as you see fit. And Adebisi tilts Saeed's hat and says, together, there's nothing we can't do. And they do a little dance. And then we see uh, Keller and O'Reilly. How often do they talk? But they're talking now. And they agree that this is the end of the universe. Uh, then Clayton Hughes' mother comes to see Leo. Uh, she's worried about his anger towards the governor. And there's a press conference there at Oz later. And uh, Clayton shows up and shoots the governor. Yeah, Clayton. <laughs> <laughs> that boy ain't right in the head. He is not. <laughs> and there was a, a deleted scene, a couple of deleted scenes. Um, Father Ray talks to Sister Pete about the trouble with confidentiality in confession. Uh, and then Ray talks to Keller and assures him that if he confesses, he won't burn in hell for all eternity. Just part of it. Right. <laughs> Just a little bit of time. And he can guarantee that. Um, and then in another deleted scene, Schillinger reads a postcard uh, for Hernandez from Alvarez and gives it to the warden, because at, at this point, yeah, Hernandez is dead. So... And they just want us to know that Alvarez is still out there. And I, what I should have done also was looked up on IMDb what, what he was working on while he was away from Oz. Do you think they wrote him out in order to give him time to work on something else? Yeah, it happens. And our fourth and final episode for tonight is called You Bet Your Life. And it was written by Tom Fontana, directed by Adam Bernstein. The theme is gambling. Is that the Adam Bernstein? The. He's, he's directed for us before. <laughs> that same one. <laughs> After Hugh's attack on Devlin, Glenn withdraws from the race. Miguel Alvarez is still on the loose. Suprema Law gets an unwanted surprise. Hill pays when he tells Mobe he knows he's undercover. Glynn deals with Quarns when he gets evidence of M-City's mismanagement. And McManus takes back his rightful territory. Saeed does the unthinkable. And this episode also had a commentary uh, with Tom Fontana and Rita Moreno. And so I'll be tossing in little, little tidbits here and there. But most of the beginning of the commentary, they were just talking about how they met, how she was thrilled to be playing such a different role. What had she been playing? Oh, you know, not nuns in prison, but <laughs> you know she was the the love interest and um, just. Well, she hadn't played a love interest in a while. Oh, wow. I mean, was she actively acting at around the time that Oz came about, or was she getting mother roles? 
roles. Is that what she was talking about? She didn't say what kind of roles she was getting. Okay. <laughs> she just said that this one was different. <laughs> so. We can move on. Okay. <laughs> they were, they talked about um, Adebisi and uh, they said that in, I guess it, it was a long time ago in another, another episode, how he, he flashed his genitalia when he, it wasn't written in the script and he was, he, you know, when it was in the script, he didn't do it. But when it wasn't in the script, then then he had to toss it in there. There was a scene where um, Gloria and and Sister Pete were there and he was flashing his genitalia. And she said that she told her to react, you know, just like they saw this stuff, this kind of stuff every day. And, uh, you know, react by not reacting, <laughs> which is probably the right, um, the right reaction for people who work in prison, kind of see, see everything. Um, and that when, uh, when Rick Fox was on Oz, uh, she treated him like her grandson. Uh, she said that Dean Winters, who plays Ryan O'Reilly, Mayhem, is the biggest gossip on set. And said when also when the when the new scripts came out that everyone it would just get really quiet everyone would just sit down and read them cover to cover and then go back and learn their parts. <laughs> okay, so now to the uh, to the actual episode. Uh, there were uh, we see all the the different reactions to the news of Clayton Hughes' crime in M City in Unit B. Um, and then Leo withdraws from the race because, um, you know, the Hughes family is close to his family. And so he saw that as the, he had to be loyal to, uh, to his friends. Uh, then the homicide detective talks to, talks to Brown. Brown points to Mobay, still trying to figure out who killed Bruno Gergen. Adebisi's group tells Mobay that there's a, an undercover cop in Unit B and they want him to kill that guy. Hill said later that um, he suspected Mobay of being an undercover cop, you know, when he lost his accent for a minute and his um, his girlfriend looks um, looks like a police officer that Hill knew, and it he was he was thrown off the off the roof. Right. Yeah, this happens to be the same person. So, um, and then he says, well, and so, yeah, he, he figures it out and he says, Mobe's a fraud as a person, you know, not because he's an undercover cop there, but I, because of the, because of the murder, then Mobe beats Hill and then he, um, he's next, we see him in Leo's office and he's confessing that he killed Bruno Gergen and that he's not a fraud. Nope. He's just in jail for the rest of his life. Yep. <laughs> so I guess this undercover work didn't quite go the way they thought it would. Nope. But yes, it never does in Oz. <laughs> oh, and also at this point in the, in the commentary, they said, nobody sighs like Ernie Hudson. Then we have another staff meeting, and McManus and Corns are arguing again, and Sister Pete loses it. And she, uh, 
she yells at them and Ray goes after her and tries to comfort her. The, and then we have the, the addiction group and Keller goes to, to join the group and Sister Pete turns him away because she's still not ready to deal with him. Then uh, Gloria comes to visit. She's still on leave. She comes to visit and go to lunch with Sister Pete. Um, and we find out today's the day that Sister Pete is supposed to sign her uh, documents to divorce herself from the church. And also in the in the commentary, they said that, that Rita and Lauren would often do their scenes in Spanish and do them like a telenovela. Imagine that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. That's... How different was a telenovela from what they were actually doing? <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> See, that's the deleted scene that we need. Right. <laughs> yeah, I wish they had outtakes and stuff like that. <laughs> but no, just deleted scenes and things. We want to see them having fun on the set. <laughs> then then oh we then we get Amelia's favorite scene. <laughs> With um Claire Howell and Ryan O'Reilly. The Gross. Fuck me, you piece of shit. (laughs) Is what she's saying. And he's imagining that he's making love to Gloria. And uh, Tom Fontana said that that Dean Winters suggested this dream sequence just so he could have a love scene with Lauren Villas. (laughs) He said, okay, it makes sense. Let's do it. (laughs) Next. Cyril is upset about Ryan's relationship with Howell. See, Cyril can figure these things out. So then Ryan goes to see Sister Pete, says that there's there's something wrong with Cyril, and he needs um, more meds to maybe uh, knock him out. <laughs> so he doesn't notice so much, right? <laughs> Put him back in the coma, please. Mm-hmm. But, of course, Sister Pete talks to Cyril and... He's doing just fine. And then when she's uh, she goes to M-City, also, after she talks to Cyril, then she talks to Chris Keller. And she uh, thanks him for forcing her to take a look at her life. And she uses Cyril's line, we don't choose God, God chooses us. Keller wants God to pick him. And then later we see her rip up her papers and she remains a nun. And then we see uh, Ryan and Claire again. And uh, he wants to end it. She says it's not over till she says it's over. Gross. Sorry, Amelia. (laughs) And uh, Tom Fontana said that when they filmed that that sex scene, uh, that he got naked too because the actors were complaining. So he said that he wouldn't ask the actors to do anything he wasn't willing to do himself. This seems to be the default move of the director who has issues with actors having issues with nudity. David Cronenberg gets naked all the time. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rebidow is back and he's concerned about the scar on his head. And so Busmalis is feeling nice and gives him his lucky hat. Uh, then Miss Sally comes to Oz. Hill jokes 
you know, next time we'll have Seinfeld in Oz. And that's a, a reference to the Saturday Night Live skit with Seinfeld in Oz. Uh, what, but Miss Sally came to visit. But it turns out that the woman who came to visit, she just works in the office and pretended to be Miss Sally. She had read all the letters and kind of kind of has a thing for, for Bruce Mollis. And also in the commentary, they tell us that that actress is J.K. Simmons' wife. Hmm. Interesting. Then, Even I heard J.K. Rollins' wife. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I was trying to resolve that. I was like, what? what the fuck did I just hear? What? <laughs> Meanwhile, on death row... <laughs> It's almost time for Miles' execution. He can't accept it, he, so he's throwing a little tantrum. So he's taken to see Sister Pete. Uh, Moses is digging through the wall, and uh, when uh, when Miles comes back, he reaches through the wall and kills him. So Miles doesn't need to pick a method of execution. That was kind of brutal. Put hmm? the kibosh on any chance of a, a retrial. <laughs> right, yeah. There goes that appeal. <laughs> People just don't think of the consequences in this show. No, but that's like, part I'm of the not- reason why they're the, where they are. <laughs> like, ah, oh, maybe I shouldn't have killed you. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> But I guess that's what got them here in the first place. These exactly. Gotta remember that they're cons. Yeah, they've already made one bad choice. They made bad choices. <laughs> Therefore, the fact that they make bad choices in here should not be surprising. Yeah. And yet, I am surprised by all the stupid shit that they tend to do on a regular basis. Well, what about, uh, you know, the, the guards, too? They're around them, I guess. Are they, they influenced by them making their stupid choices? Like, you know, uh, Claire and uh, Clayton Hughes. And... Clayton Hughes, uh, that was a terrible storyline. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot forgive. That was just bad. All right. <laughs> Won't we ever make it through, you bet your life. <laughs> we have to, we have to. Then uh Schillinger gets a visit from his daughter in law, says she was married to Hank and he's disappeared, she doesn't know what to do, and she's pregnant. <laughs> and from the commentary they said that Mr. J.K. Simmons is one of the funniest people on the set. I guess he has to, if he's playing uh Big Bad Schillinger, so Yep. Uh, next, Supreme Allah and Mondo Brown are fighting. Uh, mayhem and Keller are working together to cause more mayhem. Quarns is pissed, and Adebisi plays the trumpet. I skipped something in there, too. Didn't they find a body in there, too? Uh, I honestly don't remember. Okay. And they said, yes, he was really playing the trumpet. Adewale is also a musician. And his regular speaking voice is 
a, a very cultured British accent. The same, you know, it's kind of similar to um, to uh, Iman Walker, who plays Saeed. Next, Quern tells Adebisi to find out who committed the murder. Adebisi interrogates Beecher to find out what happened because it's one of one of Beecher's ex-lovers who died. Beecher, of course, suspects Keller. Keller says he should be careful where he sticks his dick because it's lethal. Then uh, Keller visits Mondo in, Mondo Brown in the kitchen and kills him. Then. Oh, it's just a machine. Yes. Then Supreme and Poet are arrested because the guards find uh, evidence incriminating Supreme. Um, Beecher and Keller gaze knowingly at each other. Saeed's plan is getting closer to its goal. Uh, Poet tells Saeed he hopes he wins and he tries to help him, but he couldn't get uh, get a videotape, and so then Saeed asks to move into Adebisi's pod so he can have access to the videotapes. Adebisi um, talks to Saeed. They try to find something in common. Uh, Saeed wants to help him change because, remember, they can do great things if they work together, and he hands over a videotape. Um... Saeed shows the warden the tape, Quarns is fired, and McManus is thrilled to have his job back again. And that was the, uh, the best uh, job acceptance speech. Let me think it over, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, he's back. And his first order of business, he transfers Adebisi and his friends out. Uh, Adebisi attacks Saeed when he goes back into the cell to get his things. The two fight and struggle over Adebisi's knife. Uh, we see blood on the curtains. Then Adebisi walks out, coughs up blood, collapses. And then Saeed walks out holding the knife. Doesn't he walk out holding the knife in his belly and then collapses as well? No. Really? Oh. <laughs> I seem to remember. I thought out of BC. Oh, Saeed walks out holding the knife. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and out of BC came out and fell over. Yeah. <laughs> and this, in this case, um, writing him out, killing him, that was the actor's choice. He was leaving to uh, to film a movie, The Mummy 2. Man, he has to be taken out of a lot of shows. I know, I was thinking that. <laughs> did the same thing on Lost. Yeah. It was just as difficult on Lost. Like, he changed the character's name to Echo. Mm-hmm. I guess he just didn't like Island Living. No. He to stay. Yeah. They tried to get him back for the finale, but they couldn't come to a money agreement. Mm-hmm. So, Amelia, what did you think of the stunning conclusion? See, I didn't think... I, Susan just gave us a, a, a spoiler. I didn't think he was dead. I was hoping he was still alive, just hurt. The way he was coughing up blood? Ah. It happens, 
No, there there was actually when when this episode was aired, there was there was debate. I was actually I was kind of shocked when that when I saw that. I don't I don't know what I was expecting. I don't know if I was expecting them to just beat the shit out of each other and then walk out. Um, um I don't I don't know. I figured he was dead, coughing up the blood and such, but I was kind of hoping we weren't done with him because, like I said, the arc that he followed came to nothing in the final. He was a cool character. He had some awesome times. But, <laughs> you know, we circled around the horn and came back to the starting gate. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. we... Hey, even 90210 killed off characters at some point, so, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I... I I want them to develop, become something else, and then go off. But, you know, neither here nor there. A character you won't forget. I mean, BC, you will be missed. You're yes. dancing. <laughs> You're fucking and jiving. Your tilted hat will never find out what held that shit on. Never. <laughs> <laughs> How could they not get him to come back and do... A commentary. That would have been. That would have been great, yeah. <laughs> but he probably want too much money. Right. Because <laughs> you know he's big time now. <laughs> GI Joe money. What's coming up next? Next, we have medium rare, conversions, revenge is sweet. Uh oh. And cuts like a knife. 